This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good Monday morning to everybody. Malcolm White here with my skillet buddy, Carol Puckett. Good morning, Carol. Hey, Mal. I really like being your skillet buddy. That's that's a great name. Well, we've been skillet buddies for a long time. Yeah, we have. We've cooked in many skillets together. That's a fact. I know. And, you know, we really hadn't done that since COVID, and we need to do it pretty soon. we got to put the band back together. Yeah, we do. we got to make a pot roast. Indeed, we do. Well, what's been going on in your world, in your kitchen, in your pots and pans uh, out there in the country? Well, I think what's been going on in my pots and pans is probably about the same thing everybody else is doing, just dealing with this bounty of, of vegetables, fruits and vegetables. So I'm, I, guess, I think this week I'll say I did a, a peach pie. Mm. I did refrigerator pickles. As did I. And uh, yesterday I did a beautiful tomato galette. And which I want to talk about a little bit. I, I brought you some. I see I got a little tomato galette yeah. right over here by my microphone. Oh, yeah. I, I brought a little for Java, too. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. It's so, a beautiful thing. So it is uh, July, and this is when the nightshades start pouring in. Not just the nightshades, but for those who love tomatoes and squash and cucumbers. And, and the eggplant. Eggplant and peppers and all of those. that family, those nightshades, this is their moment, and they start pouring in. And I've been eating. I've been so blessed because two of my friends delivered uh, fresh vegetables to me this week. I got on Thursday, David Patterson loaded me up, and then on Friday, Susan Lyles loaded me up. So I've just been swimming in fresh vegetables, squash, cucumbers, tomatoes, eggplants, peppers, and and I made a batch of just refrigerator pickles, and I put some peppers in it too. And and then I took the the vinegar solution, the brine. the brine that I had made for my refrigerator pickles, and I cut up a half a, ca- a head of cabbage, put it in there, and and made a coleslaw Ooh. marinade, and that was really good. I had hot my we had hot dogs. Ren and I had hot dogs the night before last, and uh, she didn't want the coleslaw on hers, but of course I did. Well, how old is she? Five? Five. Five. Well, coleslaw is not a taste for five-year-olds. Typically. Now, talk about. tell me about your pickles, and then I'll tell you about okay, mine. Well, okay. Well, first, uh, I wanted to tell you that I got a delivery by an anonymous vegetable fairy. It was a tomato fairy, actually, mm-hmm. with a few cucumbers on the side. You know, I came out to my front porch, and there was a beautiful piece of the New York Times newspaper folded artfully, loaded down with tomatoes, heirloom tomatoes, and two two or three long, long cucumbers. So I took those and did the refrigerator pickles, and that was my first time. And it was, of course, inspired by you, because that's something you do every summer. And it was so enjoyable. It was not... Uh, you know, it was not really hard. No, no, it's very easy. Yeah, I'm going to do it again this week and do a little bit different spice blend. Well, uh, 
what I did, and, and of course, you know, I don't use recipes. Uh, I just uh, I put like <clears throat> uh, two thirds vinegar, one third water, and a bunch of salt and some herbs and spices. And, uh, you know, I just put the, the uh, cucumbers over in there and the peppers, and I shake them up in a plastic tub, put them in the refrigerator, go in and every four or five hours, shake them around, turn them over, make sure that the, okay, the brine good, gets on yeah, the whole Yeah, that's a good idea. I didn't vegetable. do that. And then so in 24 hours. onions? Yes, onions. Onions, good, yeah. okay. And in 24 hours, they were just where I wanted them to be. They were not too vinegary too spicy they were perfect and so uh, I, I took them out drained them put the pickles in a little jar put them in the refrigerator and then I added the cabbage to that solution and begin to brine or pickle it well I can't believe that I'm bringing pickles to the master mm. but I give you total permission to re-gift these now, pickles now you brought a jar uh it says pickles um go away lodge on the bluffs of the beautiful Big Black River. Yes. So you got your own label here. I do, and I can just fill that in and put whatever I want. I, you know, am making, and there you go. Are these sweet or, or dill or? These what? are just re- of the refrigerator. They have a, n- not a whole lot of sweetness. Mm-hmm. They're tart. I will say that they're tart. Okay. Um, have you been looking at cooking and coping Man, this week? Have I ever? It's, Can you believe what's going on there? It's it's going it's definitely going on. There was an awful lot of chatter uh, about tomatoes and what to do with an abundance of of nightshades. Uh, but Can yeah, it's blowing up. Pictures were just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I I struggle with my iPhone pictures, but I know that's what people are using, and mm-hmm. they are just beautiful, beautiful yeah. pictures. And for those who have not joined us on Facebook, please go to Cooking and Coping. We're now at about 4,100 people, and it's just a fun place to hang out and watch if that's what you want to do or post. But lots and lots of new posters Yeah, yeah last it's, week. It's been a very active uh, holiday. Yes, but it's so inspirational because, you know, when somebody posts something, others ask for the recipe. Right. And people will post the recipes. I mean, I made a whole list going through of, you know, of recipes, of tomato tart recipes, tomato gravy, tomato Ooh, relish. Um, somebody, well, Myra York posted a seafood gazpacho. Mm. Terrific. A lot of tomatoes out there. Yeah, a lot of tomatoes again. And uh, if you if you have ideas about what to do with your uh, abundance of fresh vegetables, you want to call us and talk to us about it. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's toll free right here at MPB Think Radio. Yeah, we want to know what you're doing out there with your tomatoes. Now, did you see where April McGregor has has gotten her book? I don't know if it's out yet, but well, she was posting about all of her pickling and preserving recipes are now in a forthcoming book. Yes. April is our good friend who is currently living in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, from Vardaman, Mississippi, and a sweet potato farm, and then for uh, many years did jams and jellies in the Chapel Hill, North Carolina area. Under the brand of the farmer's daughter, I believe. Yes. 
she she is just brilliant, and she is the most giving person on cooking and coping. Everybody asks her how to fix a recipe or make a recipe, but her COVID project was the complete guide to canning and preserving. Now, it's a Simon & Schuster book, but as I learned this morning, the book will not be re- uh, released till April of, 19, of 2022, but oh, okay. the book is now out in a magazine form. And she said that normally Kroger, Walmart, Whole Foods carries it, but it is, it is a beautiful piece. And uh, I'm hoping that Java will dial her up and get her on the show because we could use a lot of her advice right now. Absolutely. And she's one of our favorite guests, and she's uh, been on the show a few times, and we always enjoy having her. So so keep your antenna up for April McGregor's new book on pickling and preserving. Uh, you say it's out in magazine form now. So. Yeah. It's it's a magazine form of the book that will, will be published. Now, one of the dishes I cooked over the weekend with the tomatoes, and I posted on Cooking and Coping, got a fair amount of questions. And it was just sl- uh, peeled sliced tomatoes. Uh, with with on a plate and just a gigantic uh, serving uh, of tuna salad on top with some of these fresh pickles I made uh, and and someone asked how do you make your tuna salad well I wanted to answer uh, different every time but of that's course, not a good Malcolm. answer that's not a good answer so what I actually did was I put a little mayonnaise in there a little bit of uh, a mustard Creole style mustard and then I put olive salad in my really? tuna salad. So everybody who's familiar with New Orleans. It's a salad salad. It's a chopped olive mm-hmm. and, and pickled vegetable salad. Uh, you know, they're famous in the muffaletta sandwich. But anyway, I use it in a lot of stuff. I put it in green salads because uh, it's in oil and it's, and it's olives and onions and all sorts of pickled <clears throat> vegetables all in one big jar. But, but I put that in my tuna salad and, and, um, then I just put it over, uh, you know, a, a plate of uh, these nice sliced tomatoes. And then I added some um, bagel chips for my crunch. Got to have the crunch. Did you put any pickle juice in your tuna salad? I put a little bit of pickle relish. Okay, because that's my, my favorite is to put but a little I, pickle juice and pickle relish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had the sweet pickles and then the uh, salty olive salad to balance the two of those. Anyway, we got a caller. Gail is calling us from Long Beach, Mississippi on the Golden Gulf Coast, and she wants to talk about tomatoes. Hello, Gail. Hi, how you doing? Real good, you? All right. Uh, So far, uh, it's not raining. (laughs) What I have is, I found that I have a plant, and it's called Sunburst. Uh, tomatoes, it's a nightshade. They're bigger than a cherry tomato, but was smaller than your big boys. And they're orange. They're like a bright yellow orange. Oh. And, yeah, and at first I thought I did something wrong. But, you know, of course, Google was a fantastic thing. So what I have done is I've taken these tomatoes and I've thrown them into one of those disposable roasting pans. Right. Along with some fresh basil, cut up some onions, threw in some garlic cloves, and I roasted them till they popped. 
once it cooled down, I threw it into my food processor, and here I have tomato sauce. Terrific. You, know, you can adjust it with, you know, whatever you want. You pepper it, you want some other spices in there, or even add some tomato paste. But I had made a plant parmesan with them the other day, and they were absolutely delicious. And they're called sunbursts? Yeah. Um, they're yellow. Uh-huh, yellow sunbursts. And yeah, they're the size of a cherry tomato, right? Bigger, okay. It, they sound like an heirloom tomato. I don't know if that's how it came through. There was so many. I initially, you know, tried to do the picture and identify. That didn't work, but it did work on Google. And there was some that did initially uh, mention heirloom. Wow. Well, Gail, we... We're going to keep our eyes peeled for the Sunburst Tomatoes, and we appreciate your listening, appreciate your calling and sharing that recipe. I was, you know, she was talking about, you know, roasting those uh, cherry tomatoes in a skillet, and when they pop open, then she said she moved them into a um, food processor. Food processor. Yeah. But I was wondering if, what happened to the skins. With, with cherry tomatoes, I always wonder, when I make dishes with cherry tomatoes whole, the skins become sort of an issue for me. Like I made a squash dish. I mean, garlic, onions, fresh squash. And at the end, I threw in a bunch of cherry tomatoes until they almost popped open. And, and, and they, the, the juice, of course, was added to the rest of it. But then I have to deal with the skins. What, how do you deal with the skins? Do you eat them or do you? I eat them. Okay. Well, some people like those I little know. baby skins. Some people and some don't. People, and some people don't. Well, I want to tell you about my tomato galette recipe. Okay. This was a recipe I got off the internet. We had there were so many on cooking and coping, but uh, you know I was reading through and wanted to find something a little different. And what there are two, a couple of things different about this. Mm. One is the crust mm. has cornmeal. There was about a half a cup of cornmeal. In, you know, in with the one and a half cups flour, so it gives it just a little. Wow. Gritty, crunchy. Yeah, and it's got corn in it. It does, and that's. I was going to tell you about the corn. It called for uh, an an ear of corn off the cob, sautéed with onion and garlic. Mm. But I happened to have from the night before corn salad that our friend it was a grilled oh. corn salad. You remember Trudy Fisher gave us Absolutely. that recipe on the show, and so I just put a cup of that grilled Excuse corn me while salad. I crunch away. Over yeah, there. good. Yeah. Uh, the grilled corn salad on top of the crust, and then layer the tomatoes. Golly, it's good. And, and I thought Java, it was do you delicious. have a piece of this in there? Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna wait till the break though. I uh, I see you. Uh, you have such good manners. You do. <laughs> <laughs> but I really liked like mm. the the cornmeal and the crust, and this too. and this was a rectangular galette. Of course, you could make it anyway. But I loved. The picture, it was like the size of a uh, 11 by 15 baking sheet. Right. And you actually rolled out your pastry on a piece of parchment paper and slid it onto the baking sheet. Slid it on. Slid it on. Now, explain to our listeners who may not know what a galette is. A galette is really like a free-form 
tart instead of put, or uh, pie instead of putting it in a pie pan and either crimping uh, or in a you know tart pan. It's more free form. You just roll out the dough, whether it's in a circle or it, it can be in any a blob or any right. shape, and then you put. Uh, you know, your filling, whether it's sweet or savory, in the middle, you leave about two inches space around that and then just fold it in a rough way. It's a, a rustic presentation. And you made the crust with, you said cornmeal, what else? Well, it was a half, one and a half cups flour, um, cornmeal, a teaspoon of sugar, just a tiny, tiny bit, uh, salt mm. and pepper, and a whole lot of butter. It's like a flaky cornbread. Yeah, really yeah, it's really good. I love the cornmeal in there. Yeah, you know, Kara makes wonderful sweet galettes all the time with fruit. I know she does, yeah. and it's it's about time we get one um, get one up here. Now, our, before we go on break, and we're going on break here in just a second, I want to just mention that Java's been watching this net Netflix series High on the Hog, and when we come back from the break, I see Carol, you got the book over there. Yeah. We're going to talk about high on the hog. Let's do it. All right, so we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'd love to hear from you. What's going on in your summer kitchen? You can call us or email us. When we return, we'll tell you about what we're doing with summer vegetables and also ask you what you are doing. So stay tuned. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White here with Carol Puckett. Carol, what's going on over there? Well, I'm sitting here looking at the cover of uh, my book, High on the Hog by Jessica B. Harris, hmm. which was actually published 10 years ago. And Malcolm, as you know, Jessica is one of the preeminent voices in the African-American culinary experience. And, you know, we were blessed to get to know her through the Southern Foodways Alliance. And I've been a big fan for 20, 30 years, um, what it, whatever. And this series that is based on the book is on Netflix. It's a four-part series. And Java initially turned me on to it, but it's being written about all over the place. And so I want to hear Java talk about his experience with it. Yeah, well, I you know, Netflix has tons of different shows on, and um, this it just kind of piqued my interest. High on the hog, of course, is a you know a common phrase that I've heard for a while, and I was like, what is this show about called High on the Hog? So I looked at you know I watched a couple episodes, and uh, the author finding out that it was from a book published, like you said, about ten years ago with um, Jessica B. Harris, and then the the new uh, host. Uh, I think his name is Stephen uh, Satterfield. 
you know, just takes you on a journey. Of course, they start in Africa and then go through um, different parts of the country talking about just different food traditions that have been passed down and sometimes kind of get get uh, lost or, uh, for lack of a better term, whitewashed um, just through history. And um, it just kind of talks about that. And it's real, real interesting. Um, I can think about some parts of it being like one of my favorite shows um, with Anthony Bourdain, uh, No Reservations, where he would always kind of travel to different countries and and talk about kind of the origins of foods and stuff like that. So it's a great, it's a great, great show if you like food, you like history, culture. And I don't want to spoil too much, but one thing they showed in like the first episode when they were talking about yams, yams and sweet potatoes. I mean, these yams look like elephant feet like they were so humongous and they were like this is a true yam you know it was just it was it was interesting but it's a good show it's a good show yeah one of the things i love job is they showed the very lively food scene today uh, yeah, on the west coast of Africa, yeah, young people. Yeah, well, doing being influenced um, from you know from all ancestors. over the from the ancestors, but mixing it with the modern, like you say, with the French cooking, Spanish cooking, and just making a new uh, you know kind of renaissance that they were um, able to enjoy things that you might not think are happening, like you said, on the west coast of Africa. And I think that we're going to see a lot of influence in our American cooking from this. From this show, yeah, a lot of people are, and that that's one thing that kind of keeps it in the front of my mind. I've watched a couple episodes. I have to; it's a four part series. Um, I watched the first two, and then I would see different um, <laughs> because of the algorithms. Knowing I was watching this show, I would see different posts right. about um, uh, books that you should read if you like the show High on the Hog. And here's an article that reviews the um, show High on the Hog. So it's just been in my in my atmosphere, and it's a, it's a it's a beautiful thing. Well, I don't know if you guys have checked your email this morning, but early this morning I sent Jessica Harris an email and invited her to be on the show. So I hope that we can we can pull that off because it would be such a treat for us and for our listeners. And I love that you used the word uh, the African culinary history has been whitewashed because uh, Miss Harris you know, called me on the carpet several times about, you know, my uh, white girl's vision of African cooking and what the myths, uh, you know, I had heard like about, you know, the slaves bringing the okra seeds in their hair. And, you know, and she said, Carol, how do you think they got those? They were captured. They didn't have any time to go put okra seeds in their hair. So she just spelled a lot of the myths that we have whitewashed through the years. And, um, yeah, she she was very important in shaping my career and a lot of the ideas that I have about food. Now, I'm really hoping that we can get her on the show. I just have to say once again, Carol, this is an um, example of how deep your Rolodex is. <laughs> you, just, you, you, you emailed Miss Stanfield just like, I mean, uh, Miss Harris just like, hey, um, uh, come on come on our show. Like, uh, you have a deep Rolodex. <laughs> well, if you don't ask, I mean, you, you never get. But, you know, we were talking that most people these days don't even know what a Rolodex is 
or was. There you go. But, yeah, we, we've got to continue to develop our relevance. A deep context list. Yeah, it's now called a context, a context list. <laughs> a context list. If you're under 30, you don't know what Well, it's our job so. to keep it interesting for, you know, for our listeners, so we have to be bold. There we go. So check out the series uh, High on the Hog net, on Netflix and uh, featuring Jessica Harris and Carol's right on and not of not to put y'all not to put you guys on the spot, but as you know, food is much more than just what you eat and what you cook. And it's shows, books, podcasts. Carol, you brought the book High on the Hog in. Have y'all seen anything or something new? Picture interest a new book out. We talked earlier about um um. I just that quick. Whose new book just came out? April McGregor. April yeah. McGregor's new book just came out. You can get it, pick it up at the grocery store. Um, what, what, what is, has something piqued y'all interest lately? Well, I've, I've really been interested in April's book, and I've been sort of digging into to, to, to the story there. But there was a book, I think, that someone sent to us because of this show called How to Cook. And I... Yes, uh, that's Hugh Atchison, and it we, was so interesting and we, to me. He he actually wrote that with for his, his children, his teenage children, in mind. But it has application to all of us. But it was really like the basics of what you really need to know. Well, when I when I saw the title, I thought, what an arrogant title! How to cook? Like that means like nobody else but whoever wrote this book knows how to cook. But then when I read it, I realized he was writing a love letter to his children to teach them the basics of cooking. And I thought, what a loving, complex book. So I've been reading it lately. And also Black Smoke uh, has it yes. stayed on my radar. Uh, it, I'm sure y'all are seeing Adrian Miller everywhere. Black Smoke has rung the bell. Yeah, it, it's it doing is, quite well It is doing one. quite well. And we're proud uh, of Adrian Miller and that he's been on the show several times and we've known him for many years and it just is so heartwarming and warming to see that somebody who has worked so hard and is such a yeah. great scholar is getting the recognition that he's really deserves. Absolutely. And I also was tuned into MPB television uh, the other day and I saw a episode of fit to eat with chef Rob Stinson here on MPB and our great friend <clears throat> Martha Foose was on, and I rem went back and was looking at her book, that mm -hmm. uh, her recent book. She's got, I mean, she's a uh, James Beard Award-winning cookbook mm -hmm. writer, but uh, a good meal is hard to find. Was was that, that was book. her award-winning, uh, you know, award-winning book? And, and that's funny that you say that because I had it out this week, wanting to make her sweet tea pie. Mm, yeah, I've never made it's that. It's kind of sweet tea season. Yeah, that it is. Well, it's also tomato season. And uh, we, we brought up the topic of tomatoes uh, on cooking and coping uh, over the weekend. And, man, did we get a lot of uh, information and a lot of posts about what to do with your abundance of tomatoes. And, uh, you know, I thought we might talk about a few of those, Carol. Yeah, and, and I wanted to bring a few tips about tomatoes uh, to the table here. And I, I'm also really hoping we'll get some callers. Hey, you guys call in. We want, want to hear what you're doing with tomatoes. Uh, but you, you need to store them at room temperature. Not in the refrigerator. Not in the refrigerator. It makes them mealy. I mean, mm -hmm. who wants a mealy tomato? Um. 
wash your tomatoes in hot water to clean them off because if the temperature of the water is less than than the eternal <laughs> the eternal <laughs> the heat the eternal <laughs> internal temperature of the tomato the tomato will absorb water right right so you know warm water uh, and they they will split and rot sooner if you do not do this and and there's this whole concept of what flavors uh you know, to to uh, pair with tomatoes, what to cook tomatoes with, like basil, oregano, dill, thyme, garlic, other things. Uh, what are your favorite well, herbs tomatoes with tomatoes? Are made for basil. That's mm-hmm. just the most uh, beautiful pairing. But I learned something from you a few months ago, and I have really applied it. And uh, working with my tomatoes, I've done this too. You told me that you just go out in the garden and pick. A handful of herbs, different herbs, mm-hmm. and use them in your dishes, whether you're stewing or doing whatever. But I have been doing that lately. And, you know, I always thought mint was just for sweet tea or mint juleps. Right. And I've been putting together combinations, you know, and putting a few mint leaves. It, it lifts anything. But I've, I've been using um, thyme, basil, a little bit of oregano, especially when I'm cooking the tomatoes on the stove. Um, a little mint. Yeah, I love a little mint. Um, and salt. Salt, mint. You know, I was thinking the other day, uh, my granddaughter, Wren, likes to what she calls make soup. So she gets her stool out, gets in front of the stove. We get a pot, we put some water in it, and she starts adding things into it. The particular variety that she cooked yesterday contained, among other things, blueberries, pasta, chopped apples, uh, oregano, salt, and pepper. And she really enjoys grinding the salt and pepper into her soups. And I begin to think about, you know, are we a salt and pepper culture or do, do many cultures use i mean we salt and pepper everything am i do do you agree with that yes we do yeah so when you're cooking do you ever not add salt and pepper um not much but i'll i'll have to say that salt was one of the reasons i opened a gourmet store 30 30 some years ago and this was at the time when william sonoma was really williams in sonoma it was hardware store in Uh sonoma and when he published his first very small Chuck Williams catalog, it had Malden sea salt. And this was at a time where, you know, Morton's the little girl with the umbrella was the right. only thing you have. When it rains, it when pours. When it rains, it pours. <laughs> and when I first tasted this flaky salt from the North Sea, I was just blown away. Hmm. And so I'd order and order and order. And I said, wouldn't it be great to have a shop in Jackson that you could have these type of products. And I still keep Malden sea salt. You know, now you can get in the grocery store, mm-hmm. but it, it's a finishing salt. Like, uh, and it's from the North Sea. And then there are the Florida cells and the, the raked salts that they rake from the marshes in right. France and Brittany and down in the South in the Camargue. And, and other countries have their sea salts too but but it's the finishing salt that is beautiful to put on the tomatoes i would not boil pasta 
in malt and sea salt. No, I wouldn't seem to be I, a waste. That is you know, for for kosher salt. But to finish a tomato, uh, a Himalayan sea salt, or just a little little tiny bit of malt and sea salt mm. really elevates it. Now, what? Where does the salt come from? That's just in the big containers that we pour in, like for for pasta boiling pasta. Is it, do they dig that out of the ground? That is, salt it mines? is a mind a mine salt that mm-hmm. they uh, add iodine yeah. to, and then you know most chefs use kosher salt. Kosher, yeah. And, and that's what I, I use for the basis of cooking. All right. So we've got some friends on the phone here. We'll start at the, the top, work our way down. We've got our buddy from North Mississippi, uh, our correspondent up there, Chico Harris, on the phone. Hello, Chico. What's happening? Good morning, y'all. I'm, I'm calling from near Ecru, Mississippi. Oh, the home um, of Bruce Donnie Bruce Browning. Browning. That's correct. That's correct. That, that's where I'm May at. May he rest in peace. Right. And, 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 and perhaps I, I can help. About, <laughs> that's right. Um, and what I want to tell y'all about, I would love to have had him with me because, as you know, he was always a great dinner companion. I want to talk about the Fiesta Grill in Pontotoc, Mississippi. Please do. It's at the intersection of Mississippi State Routes 6 and 15. I've passed by it thousands of times, and it's one of those big old uh, kind of faux Mexican-looking joints that the parking lot is slam-packed, and that's usually a great sign of a restaurant, but it's always made me think, I'm glad I'm not going there. So uh, not long ago, on a Sunday, about 1 o'clock, not, great, not the greatest time to get in and out of a restaurant in, quickly in Mississippi, we had a party of 14, and Ginger <laughs> wanted to go there, so we went. And uh, we went in, and, to my, and the place was packed, and we went in, and to my surprise, when we said a party of 14, I mean, it wasn't 30 seconds. They whipped together a big old table for us. And um, we sat down, and the menu was like a menu you would expect to see in a, an old family-owned place up in the Bronx. It, had, it was about the size of a Life magazine, had about as many pages <laughs> held together by rings, and it was all laminated, had a photograph of each dish. And on about page 18, I saw <laughs> exactly what I knew I wanted. It was whole fried fish. And I got a question. I got a, a cooking term question for y'all about that. But it was whole fish, and I asked the waiter. I said, "What kind of fish is this?" And he immediately looked crestfallen. And I figured he was going to say, "Oh, we don't have that," because that is often the case. Well, it's number eighteen, after all, on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, uh, he he looked crestfallen. He said, "I don't know what kind of fish it is," but he said, "Ooh, it's bad like sign." <laughs> right. He said, "But it's like brim." But bigger, and oh. I said, "Okay, I want it. Whatever it is, I want it." Wow. And um, tilapia. You know, we, Wait a when minute. The, we it's had coming. the appetizers and whatnot, and then the owner of the joint came over, and he, the waiter had evidently spoken to him about what kind of fish it is, and the owner said to me, "I don't know what kind of fish." It is. <laughs> <laughs> he basically said the same thing as the waiter. And he goes, and he also said, "It's like brim, but bigger." And I said, well, I'm looking forward to it. And um, they brought it, and it was a big old platter of food with refried beans and rice, seasoned rice and sliced avocados, tomatoes, and onions over lettuce. And the fish was 
fabulous. It might have been the best whole fried fish I've ever had. You know, the eyeballs looking back at you, head fully intact. And I think it was probably tilapia. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think I think that's probably what it was. Wasn't well, crappie, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I got to go to Water Valley for that. Yeah, but my only complaint was that the tail—you know, the 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 fried tail on the whole catfish—is the best part, mm-hmm. and the tail on this was was not the best part. Uh, but the entire meal was fantastic. Fiesta Grill in Pontotoc, Mississippi. You, heard it, you heard it here, right here on Deep South Dining. Mystery Post. fish. That's right. But I got a question for you. Yep. What's the What's the term for whole fish? Like you know, fish cooked with the head and eyes and all that. What is there? A, is there a term for that? I would just say whole fish. We'll, we will I, dig into we'll, that, but, yeah, but I think we'll whole do. fish is what I would say as well. Well, I'm going to go to the Fiesta Grill and think about it. Okay. Bone-in fish. All right, Chico, thanks a lot for listening. Thanks for calling from Oxford to Osaka. Now we're going to dial in Kathleen with a tomato recipe. I, I love my my uh, MPB. I tell you what, you can hear all over the state. I get such a kick out of Chico when he calls in because he's always so excited. <laughs> but uh, I got I got an easy uh, dish. It's mainly chopped and put in, and it carries well for picnics and stuff. Uh, you just need any kind of firm tomato. And you can wedge it, slice it. I like it wedged because you can get it on your fork better. I use red bell pepper, red onions, black olives, fresh parsley, salt, pepper, and then uh, don't laugh at me. Here we go with the mushrooms and the butter. Take your mushroom caps and about a stick of butter in a small pot, and you cook them kind of like a confit. What I mean is you put them in, turn it real low, and let them cook in that. And then I just slice them like in half a quarter, leave them big, add about a tablespoon or two of red wine vinegar, any kind of grape would do, and some Parmesan cheese. Mm. And you let it in a little Tupperware of any kind, the old yogurt cup will do, put it in there, and you can flip it every now and then, like for an hour or two when you go by, just flip it. And it is delicious and it's just mainly put it together it's assembly and malcolm i don't use a lot of butter so i take that butter and i put it in a container or something fancy or till it and i roll it up and i keep it in the freezer so when i'm cooking a hamburger steak or a regular steak or sauteing some veal or something i want some mushrooms i take that flavor and put that in the meat oh that boy. sounds delicious what do you and it call sounds it? like a great tip uh, tomato dump sounds like a good one, <laughs> but it's chunky enough. You can put it on your fork. You can even put it on like a little tray and just put toothpicks in it because the stuff is rough chop, large chop. So it, it's nice and you don't have to be real fussy with it. And, uh, there's no mayo in it. Uh, you can add some oils if you like, you know, like an olive oil or a walnut oil, whatever kind of oil you want. And it, it looks pretty. Well, it sounds great black. to me, and I, it makes me think of uh, one of our best posters on cooking and coping. Bob Yarbrough from Richmond, Virginia, posted something yesterday. He said, sometimes in this heat, 
you don't want to cook, you got a chunk. And so he had, uh, you know, a chunky salad like that, and I loved it. Well, I'll give you a little tip. Malcolm, you were talking about uh, the tapenade, right. and I love to use that because it's a good shortcut. And we've all got the cucumbers, <laughs> and if you want them or not, you're going to get some. But slice them across, not lengthwise, but across about two inches thick. You core a little bit of the top out. You pour some of that tapenade, and I don't like to use a homemade salad dressing or a romalade and just top for the coloring and add some parsley. And let me tell you, that's a very good appetizer, and it's quick, and you don't have to cook anything. You just assemble, and the stuff doesn't go bad. It's like not using uh, fresh mushrooms. Well, that's a terrific tip, and thanks so much for sharing that with us this morning. Kathleen from Osaka, one of our wonderful listeners and often a caller who keeps us on track and always shares terrific recipes and kitchen tips with us. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Uh, One of our listeners has called in and said that they think that the, the whole fish dish is called in the round. Java? Yeah, in the round. That's um. That's uh, actually uh, the one and only Joe Sherman who's who, who takes in with that. But also, you can do have it drawn or gutted, mm-hmm. and it still have the, the the head and the eyes and all of that stuff. Okay. Or you can have it headed, and then that's that's off with its head. <laughs> Great. All right, now we'll move on to Mobile, Alabama. Mikey is on the phone. Hello, Mikey. How are you? I am having a wonderful time this morning, Chico and Kathleen and y'all. Come on, how much more fun can it be? You know, <laughs> like a family reunion. <laughs> yeah, crazy aunts, uncles, and that would include me. Okay. <laughs> well, we're glad to hear from you. What's happening um, in Mobile? My question. I got a question, guys, uh, because it, rain every day. Uh, sometimes, uh, not lately, for like since the first of July, we've <laughs> we've had a foot of rain since the first of July. Okay, and we're not even halfway there. Um, uh, but uh, you know, at least we haven't had a hurricane so far, right? There you go. Um, so um, uh, yes, yeah, so we're counting our blessings. Uh, but Mike, uh, uh, all of this has to do with um, cooking here in the high humidity and uh, the high heat. Of summer, particularly when you're cooking without air conditioning in areas. You guys, uh, no, um, uh, y'all were talking about galettes uh, before. I, galette is one of my favorite things because I love anything that's rustic. Mm-hmm. Uh, rustica, is that a better pronunciation? Anyway, um, uh, my question is um, whether it's sweet or savory or any um, any way to do it, can you do something that is going to give you the crust with any crisp to it in a slow, a dry, slow cooker as the oven hmm. in summer. Any tips, please? I would really appreciate. Well, we appreciate you. We appreciate your listening and calling. And Carol, what are your, what are your thoughts here on this crust situation? Malcolm, I don't really have any thoughts. No thoughts. We're stumped. Yeah. Well, we will ponder that, um, Mikey, and we will uh, try to get to you later. Yeah, I'm hoping our listeners are are more crustable. I bet Joe Sherman uh, knows about this. Can, can I ask 
one more question, sure. please. Can it be something like maybe, because from <laughs> what I know, which ain't a whole lot, but um, can it be done maybe like Persian rice, looking at those recipes? Hmm. You know, where, where you put the towel around the lid of the rim to make sure that it's sealed in? And oh, it yeah, makes yeah, it yeah, crack? yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. We're just going to have to put our heads together and uh, do a little digging and pondering and maybe and call on some of our friends. <laughs> yeah, see who, who else in the family might have something to add. But either way, we are absolutely happy to hear from you, and thanks for listening. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about southern cooking and southern food and whether or not it is healthy. Uh, we, don't, we know it's good. Uh, it's certainly not diet food. But we'll be back in a few minutes. Carol and I will take your questions, your calls. We'd love to hear from you. 1-877-672-7464. Or an email will do. Just send it to food at mpbonline.org. This is Deep South Dining. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. Welcome back, Deep South Dining. Malcolm White, Carol Puckett. It's Monday morning. We're so glad you're tuned in. And yes, we have had a lot of rain of late. Ooh, it's moist out there. Yeah, a little thick. Yeah. And and finally, it is summertime as we know it. Yep, makes the vegetables grow. Sure does. That's why we're, our front porches are all full of uh, squash and cucumbers and tomatoes and yeah, peppers. And it reminds me of, you know, Robert St. John and his squash. <laughs> That he was leaving squash in baskets on every portion at his birthday. How many to get acres did he it. say he grew? That oh my time? gosh, he, he did. But that's what I felt like when I woke up and found the tomato fairy had had been to me. But um, you know, you were or Java was asking us what we've been reading lately, yeah. and you and I passed around uh, that CNN article last week about too much southern food can cause a sudden heart attack. Yeah. But, it says, Mediterranean diet uh, reduces the risk. So, now, here's my, this is all I'm going to have to say about this, Carol. I grew up eating southern food. I'm obviously from the south. Our show is about southern food. And, and I certainly understand the, the, the part of the conversation about too much salt, too much sugar, too much deep frying. I, I get all that. Too much lard. Yep. But... I think it's changed a lot, certainly in my adulthood. Uh, I mean, you know, collard greens may not be the new kale, but Southern cooking is not your mother or grandmother Southern cooking. It is and, not. And that's what you and I talk about and it's every Monday evolving. for an hour. <laughs> You're right. I mean, there is no rule that says collard greens have to have gobs of fat. Correct. That is right. They can be sautéed. They can be stir fried. Uh, stir fried. There's a, and another a lot thing I learned so much from you, Malcolm. But another thing that uh, you taught me to do 
is to build a base for your greens and your peas, saute chopped onion Mm -hmm. before you put in your uh, peas or if you're boiling greens. And that gives a lot of flavor as well. And And, and chicken stock. Sure. And and I like smoked meat. You know, I I like bacon. I I like ham. I like all that stuff. But, But I don't put much of that in my vegetables and my peas and my greens and my squash. I, I, I just don't. Uh, I put a little bit in the, in the in turnip greens sometimes. But, man, with olive oil and onions and garlic uh, and, and, herbs. and some herbs, you don't really have to have you do a not. bunch of fat in there. Yeah, and you don't have to have to have lard. Don't have to. But it, it interests me that CNN called our... They called us out. They called us out, and they called us the stroke belt. I mean, I always thought we were the Bible belt. Right. They got the wrong belt. Yeah. There are 11 states that are in the stroke belt. 11 states? 11 states. They're all southern states. uh, And they also made the point that a steady diet of traditional southern food can make you 46% more likely to die. From well, sudden cardiac death. And Malcolm sure. McCarroll, I think my thing, my takeaway from that article that I that I uh, you know peeked into too, was just the 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 continuation of the stigma of Southern food. Like Malcolm said, and Carol, you and I, everybody, we're from the South. We've been eating these uh, these eating Southern style, you would say, for you know all of all our lives. But it's just that's th- this continuation of southern food as a bad thing because as if you would just take that headline for what it is don't eat southern food <laughs> you know it's food shaming java there you go food shaming i like that but but malcolm's point is that we have lightened up yeah the evolve southern cuisine is an evolving cuisine and there there's so many things you can do without deep frying and you know adding a lot of fat the people are just naturally doing, like grilling vegetables. Absolutely. Instead of boiling, you know, like I did that grilled corn salad, not because I was trying to be on a healthy Mediterranean right. diet. I mean, you know, we're just choosing those things. And the other thing I would say is, you know, comparing Southern cooking to a Mediterranean diet is not really fair. Compare Mediterranean to northern cooking compare mediterranean to anything and you're going to get a, a, a loser there because mediterranean is sort of the quintessential healthy diet and yeah. so i like merging mediterranean with southern cooking i like it so let's do that let's do it we're so happy that y'all joined us today deep south dining is a production of mississippi public broadcasting's think radio we are funded by generous contributions from folks just like you, and we thank you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. For my co-host, Carol Puckett, I'm Malcolm White. Stay tuned now for Now You're Talking with Mr. Marshall Ramsey. Then Southern Remedy at 11. And please join us next Monday for more Deep South Dining heard only on MPB Think Radio.